How many people know you don't need another sermon this morning? I mean, most of us have had so many sermons, we've got sermons coming out of our ears. And you, you just don't need more information. But if you're like me, every day you need a fresh word from God. So why don't we just still our hearts and why don't we just pray, Holy Spirit, just come and speak to us this morning. Whether it's a line, whether it's a concept, whether it's just your presence, we invite you just to come, breathe on your word and have your way in us and through us today. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, last week we saw that uh, we're on a journey. And uh, one of the misconceptions that people have about us journeying in the things of God is we tend to have the thought that God's not going to use us until we come nearer the end of that journey. In other words, uh, some a lot of people think that unless we are absolutely perfect, then God is not going to use us. And so that's not so. Uh, God wants us um, to be kingdom influencers right now. And so I'm going to, this morning, I'm going to carry on from that journey message and I'm going to look at creating a life of influence. So first of all, who can be an influence? Well, worldly influences are different to godly kingdom influences. Okay. You don't need to have amazing looks. You don't have to have puffed up lips. You don't have to use Botox and an Instagram account uh, to be an influencer. We all can because that's what we were created by God for. God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, we were fashioned in God's mind. We were planned and dreamed about by God before we were even born. And God planted his dreams and our potential in us as a seed. It's not by chance that we are alive in 2022. It's not by chance that you are here this morning. We weren't born at the time of Christ. We weren't born during the Middle Ages or the 19th century. We're living in the 21st century because God put us here. And he wants to use us to fulfill his plans and his purposes in his kingdom here on earth right now. It's not by chance that you're alive and living in Whangarei, New Zealand now, because God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, God's got good works for you to do. He's got good works for each and every one of us to do. All of us were lost. All of us did what we felt like doing, leaving God out of our lives. 
But God, in his amazing love and mercy, despite us, drew us to himself and saved us. He saved us to give us abundant life. He saved us for his pleasure. But also, he saved us for a purpose. We were created and saved to know God and then have an impact on our world. We weren't saved just for ourselves. Every one of us were saved and gifted to make a difference, to be an influencer for his kingdom. But whether we do or not is not dependent on God, but it's dependent on us. As I look at the influences in the Bible, I could only find one thing that they all have in common. There may be more, but I could only find one thing. Wasn't their age. Noah was old. David was young. It wasn't their education. Peter was unlearned. Paul was highly educated. It wasn't their gender. God used both men and women. It wasn't their background. Because people from every walk of life were used by God to make a difference. Some were orphans like Esther. Some were from loving families. Some were from incredibly dysfunctional families like Joseph. It doesn't matter whether you are rich or poor or a pauper or a king. God, it seems, will use anyone and everyone, including us. In fact, it says in Matthew 22, many are called, but few are chosen. Do you want to know what the difference is between being called and chosen? See, God's calling everybody. He doesn't want anyone to be saved, uh, anyone not to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. The difference between the called and the chosen is the only common denominator between all the influences. The difference between being called and chosen is our availability and our surrender. Ephesians 5.15 says, Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Every influencer at some stage says yes to God and yes to surrendering to Him and His plans and yes to the opportunities that God places before them. Take Esther, for instance. She gets asked to enter a national beauty competition. First prize? First prize winner gets to be queen of the most powerful nation on earth at the time. She's a Jew. Her people are threatened with annihilation, and her cousin urges her to use her position to do something. And it says that he said to her, Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your fa father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. 
So after fasting and praying, after getting her friends to fast and pray, Esther literally puts her life on the line in an attempt to save the Jews. And God is with her, and the Jews get the victory. In fact, they celebrate that victory even today. It's called the Feast of Purim. And it's a annual feast that the Jewish people go through. Who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. There are such a time as this people here this morning. God's placed you in a particular place for such a time as this. God is just waiting for us to say yes to surrendering to him. Yes to his plans and purposes. Yes to the challenges that he put before us. We are here in Whangarei for such a time as this. We all have different spheres of influence. We have all come to those positions through various means. And God wants us to know him and wants to bless us. And he wants to make us a blessing. On Thursday at a leaders meeting, I was sitting behind a very gracious Maori lady. And uh, during the break, I had a chance to talk to her. And so I asked her, you know, what do you do? And she says, oh, I work uh, for the education department. And then it twigged. I'd met her once before. She doesn't just work for the education department. She's the head of the education department in Titai Tokerau. Uh, Tim Anderson um, works for her. And I thought, what an amazing opportunity to have Christians at the head of the education department in the north. Those guys are making a difference. They are making a difference. And every area, every sphere of influence, we need Christians working. We need Christian doctors. We need Christian nurses. Uh, we need Christian lawyers. How many know that we need Christian politicians? Yeah. And so we need Christians in the Labour Party. We need Christians in the National Party. We need Christians in all parties. In every sphere of influence that you can think of, we need Christians. But not everyone is called to be a doctor. Not everyone is called to be a politician. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. Find out what God is calling you to do and go for it. Make the most of it. Recognize that God has a plan and a purpose for your, for your life. He wants to increase our influence for his kingdom plans and purposes, but we have to recognize that we have been saved for such a time as this. We are not saved to waste our gifts, but to maximize and to use our gifts to increase his kingdom. Influence for the kingdom is going to come in three areas. It's going to come through who we are, it's going to come through what we say, and it's going to come through what we do. From the time that Jesus comes into our life, our character should be changing to be more like Christ. People should see that you and I are different. Isn't that true? I, 
I met a, um, a, a woman about 10 years ago uh, who had been a prostitute on the streets of Sydney. Um, she'd got saved at C3, actually, in, in Sydney. And she was back in New Plymouth at that stage. And I was at a conference down there and she was attending this conference. And she came bounding up to me and said, Don, Don, do you remember me? And I said, did you used to work in the little lab next door to, to us at Martangi in the early years? She said, yeah, yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me. So she told me her story. And then she said, she said, Don, I knew there was something different about you. Now, I'd never, ever witnessed to that lady. I'd hardly spoken to her. But she knew there was something different about me. And that should be the truth with you too. People should be able to sense that there is something different about you, that you act differently, that you talk differently, that you carry the presence of God in your life. And people will know that. <clears throat> Our characters grow in the years that we are with Jesus. Yes, our characters can change through adversity, and sometimes that's necessary, but a far less painful way to grow your character is to spend time with Jesus. I know which I would prefer. <clears throat> the more we spend time with Jesus, the more his character rubs off on us, and the more the Holy Spirit can use us. Now, the greatest pressure on your life, the greatest area of attack from the enemy will be to cut off your life source by stopping you from developing a regular time of reading God's Word and praying and spending time with Jesus. Doing stuff for God is not a substitute, people, for spending time with God and learning from His Word. Uh, we were created to live life in relationship with God. We aren't smart enough to be everything that God has planned us to be and to do everything that God has planned us to do. He's created us to need Him. He has given us amazing tutors in the Word an amazing helper, teacher, and guide in His Holy Spirit. But if we're going to do everything that He's planned and purposed and dreamed for us to do, we need Him moving in us and moving through us. Make spending time with Jesus your number one priority. If you don't, I guarantee that you will struggle to fulfill the plans and purposes that God has for your life. And I'd hate to get to the end of my life I will probably be dead in 20 years' time. About. I'd hate to be standing before the Lord and hear him say, Don, you missed it. I wanted you to be a motor mechanic. No. I know. I know, I know I'm doing God's plans and purposes. I know in a year's time I'm going to be fulfilling the plans and purposes of God because my heart is in His hands. And He says, 
The heart of a king is like streams of water in the hands of the Lord. He can turn it this way or that. And so if I'm working, walking in one direction, my heart's in his hands. If he wants me to do something else, he'll tell me. He'll open and shut doors. I've got that confidence. I've got that trust in him. Second way of influence is not just through our character, but it comes from what we say. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. In other words, the person that God blesses doesn't follow the world's advice and do what the world does. He doesn't say what the world says. God framed the world with his words. Jesus said, the words that I have spoken are spirit and they are life. And our words are incredibly powerful too when they are linked to faith. God tells us that our destiny is controlled by our mouths because they reflect what is in our heart. Romans 10 verse 9 to 10 says, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Pastor Tark is always getting us to confess, to make statements, to preach his word. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We've got a choice. We can bring healing and wholeness, or we can bring heartache. Proverbs 15.4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 12, verse 14 says, from the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands reward him. Isn't that an amazing verse? What you say is going to bring rewards similarly to what you do. And I want to say what God says, not avoiding problems, but speaking powerfully into them. Our words have tremendous power but not many people recognize this. We have a choice in situations. We can speak life or death, blessing or cursing, love or hate, bitterness or forgiveness. We have a choice as to what we say and how it will impact ourselves and others. In your workplace, frame the atmosphere with your words. In your leisure, I want to be the most encouraging player on the golf course on Monday. I want people to want to play with me, not because I'm a fantastic golfer, but because they know that I'll build them up and we'll have a great time on the course. In your home, think about how you speak to your kids because they believe what you say and therefore it has power in their lives. To yourself. Prophesy to your soul many, many times in the Psalms. David would speak to his soul. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? He'd give himself a, a ticking out. 
and he would speak words that would build himself up. Do it. Are you sick? Are you sick? Speak to your sickness. Speak to your soul. Say, come on. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and he's quickening our body. So body, get in a line with the spirit of God. Begin to speak prophetically into situations using the word of God to bring about change. I was um, listening to Phil Pringle on last Wednesday night and he said something which I just totally agree with. He said, Pastors should not be preaching messages. There's nowhere in the Word that it says to preach messages. Preach the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. And we need to preach the Word of God to ourselves as well. Don't just preach good thoughts. Preach the Word of God. Get into the Scriptures. Know the Scriptures. Be able to recite the Scriptures and use the Scriptures which are powerful in every situation and circumstances. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Release God's word into your situation. Thirdly, influence comes from what we do. But remember, what we say and what we do come from who we are. Okay? Matthew 5.16, Jesus talking, he says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We will influence people by how we live and whether we live out our talk. How many people have heard of a guy called Alfred Nobel? Most of you will have heard of him because... He created the Nobel Peace Prizes. Uh, the Peace Prizes actually came about because one day in the 1800s, Alfred woke up to see his own obituary in the local paper. That would be a bit of a shock, wouldn't it? Get the paper out, have the morning read. Hello, I'm dead. <laughs> uh, as it turned out, <clears throat> it was Alfred's brother that had died and the newspaper mistakenly printed Alfred's obituary instead of his brother's. Alfred thought about his life and how he wanted to be remembered, and that morning he decided that he wanted to make some changes in his life. So when Alfred eventually died, <clears throat> he left most of his incredible wealth to a foundation designed to honor people who made a difference. Winners of the Nobel Prize have included Mother Teresa, Desmond Tutu, Henry Kissinger, Martin Luther King, Albert Schweitzer, and many, many, many of the world's greatest scientists and people. So most people today associate Alfred Nobel with the Nobel Foundation rather than his invention. You know what he invented? Dynamite. He invented dynamite. But most people remember him for the Nobel Prizes. That's a good change. That's a great change, in fact. Uh, we can all change our influence and become what God has created us to be, but we need to be faithful in the little things. It's the little things of life. It's faithfulness in the little things of the kingdom that will determine your suitability for the big plans and the big purposes of God for your life. I mean, Jesus said, if you'll be faithful in the little things, I'll cause you to be faithful in much. 
And sometimes the little things are just practical things. I know of people who have missed out on a job promotion because their boss thought that they weren't faithful in getting to work on time. Just a little thing like that. Nelson Mandela, when he was in prison, ran on the spot for hours every day. When he was asked about that later after his release, he said, I did that because I wanted to stay fit because I thought at some stage I'm going to be released from prison and they may call me to lead the nation in my old age and I want to be ready. Wow. How's that for foresight but also faithfulness? Faithfulness in the little things. He knew that unless he was faithful in the very little things, he would never go the distance and be able to and be capable of fulfilling his dream. God is incredibly creative. I mean, you only have to have a look at what he's created to recognize the immense um, creativity. He gives us ideas all the time. If you're listening, he'll show you ways to get around some of the problems that you're having at work. He'll give you insight, words of wisdom, words of knowledge in a particular situation. He gives us ideas all the time, things that we can pray into, things that we can do, things that express the heart for our city. Let's have the musicians just come right now. In November 1983, I just love this story because it speaks of the simplicities of ideas that if God breathes on them, they can change a city. So in November 1983, a children's church teacher in Philadelphia told a class that God had a dream and a plan for each of them, and he wanted to work through them, she said. This is to kids' church. Uh, two weeks later, an 11-year-old called Trevor Farrell was watching the evening news on TV when a report came in highlighting the plight of the homeless and how many might freeze to death that evening as the temperature plummeted below zero. This bothered Trevor in his nice warm house. Suddenly a thought came to him. Why not take a blanket and give it to a homeless person to keep them from freezing? He found a blanket and a pillow, talked his mum and dad into giving him a ride, and off they went. They found a man curled up over a steam grate, so they stopped. They gave him a blanket and the pillow, to which the man said, God bless you. Well, Trevor could hardly contain his excitement. The next night, he went out again. And the night after, he went out again. They soon ran out of blankets, so he started getting them from his friends. Soon word spread that an 11-year-old boy was on a mission of mercy to the homeless. The local news ran a story, and it touched a chord with people all over the city. Local students volunteered. A supply officer from the nearby army base rang to say that a whole warehouse full of surplus blankets and coats. It was amazing. City leaders were 
embarrassed that an 11-year-old was bringing so much attention to their homeless problem that they convened a seminar of experts to address the topic, and Trevor was invited to join. At one point, a local professor of sociology said, well, homelessness is a complex problem. Trevor is providing simplistic answers. However, complex problems require complex solutions. And when Trevor was asked to reply, he said, I don't know, I'm just a kid. But tonight when I'm giving out blankets, I'll ask the people whether they would rather have my blankets or his complex solutions. That simple God-inspired act of mercy expanded with thousands of formerly homeless people eventually getting permanent housing and no one freezing to death on the streets of Philadelphia. One simple God-breathed idea. God is just waiting for us to spend time with him so that he can download his ideas to us. The question is, are you available to be a kingdom influencer? Because that's what you were created for. To fulfill and to fully fulfill God's plans. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But also, you need to know Him as Lord. Most church people know Jesus as Savior. Our Savior, we recognize that Jesus died for us. But fewer know Him as Lord because that's where we die for Him. We read Psalm 23, which starts off saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we like the idea that God will provide for us, and totally, I am totally for that. But we don't link provision to lordship. And lordship to surrender. So we have a faith that is all about us and what we can get from Him. Many pastors preach a prosperity gospel, a consumeristic gospel, which ends up being all about what God can do for us. And God is amazing. But if we fail to tell people that the I shall not want promise is made to people who have died to self and taken up the cross and made Jesus Lord of their lives and are living for him, then we do people a disservice. It shouldn't be all about us. It's actually all about him. The Lord 
is our shepherd. He died for us. And we are called to daily take up our cross and be prepared to die for him. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, then you need to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. I think one of the reasons why the church of Laodicea and the church in the Western world was lukewarm was because they only got half the half the gospel. Jesus Christ died for us. Therefore, we should die for him.